Dear friends, we love the movies here at Amazing Love, and uh, summertime is often blockbuster time. We had a movie night Friday night, and I want to start off things this morning by showing you a trailer, and I want you to tell me, when you see this trailer, what do you feel inside of you? Okay, so again, your, your, your goal is to, what am I feeling as I watch this? Are you ready? Here we go. So what were you feeling? If you're feeling that that is a cheesy remake of the movie Twister, you're probably right. Um, but if you're also feeling that um, those storms can be scary if they're a little too lifelike, uh, if you're afraid, that I think is what I, I was experiencing. There is fear when we see storms, isn't there? And, and this is a little bit too close to reality. It was a couple weeks ago, or maybe like me, you were in the basement because we heard those sirens and we saw a big storm coming. In fact, this morning we're actually going to pray for our church in Grant Park. Um, they're okay, no one was hurt, but that tornado did come through doing damage to their church. And I would tell you if you're experiencing fear at that trailer, if you have fear when it concerns a storm, I think that's only natural, right? I think there are other situations in life that can cause us to fear, though. It doesn't have to be a, a literal storm. It can be a figurative one. When maybe a child is out of control and we can't reel them back in, it can feel afraid. What's going to happen? When, when I don't know what's going to happen next in my health, when I don't know what's going to happen next year, in this next stage of life, I can feel some of those same sensations. Feel out of control and afraid. But here's why I love God's word today. I want to jump right into one of our, 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 our verses for today from Psalm chapter 46. It says, Therefore, we will not, we won't fear. And look what it describes. It says, even though the earth would give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Now, if I, if I saw the earth giving way or mountains literally falling into the sea, I would say that is a great time to be afraid. In fact, that's natural to be afraid. It's justifiable. Uh, same thing if I saw a tornado or a tsunami or Godzilla coming my way, I'm going to be afraid. I don't know about you. And yet God and the psalmist has the audacity to say that that all could happen. And yet you don't have to be afraid. 
Man, that is so cool. And that's what we're going to consider. We're in the second week of our series called Fruit of the Spirit. And let's get our bearings. Let's see the goal of this series. The goal is this. It's to pursue fruit of the Spirit as we pursue our Savior. If you really want peace today, it doesn't happen, I believe, apart from Jesus. It doesn't happen apart from the goodness of God. But when we have Jesus in our midst, it's kind of like being in the eye of that storm. Maybe you know enough about tornadoes that if you're in the very middle, everything else can be twirling and raging, and yet there's peace. I think there's a wonderful picture there. When Jesus is by us, everything can be whirling and storming and raging, and yet there is peace. May God so bless us as we consider. But to go on, can I tell you a story? I want to tell you a story of the Old Testament and of a man named Hezekiah. King Hezekiah, here's a picture of him, lived about 700 B.C., and uh, he was a good king, which was, was not common for the kings of Judah. Uh, in fact, the Bible says about King Hezekiah uh, that there was no one like him among all the other kings, either before him or after him, for he held fast to the Lord. Now, if the Bible says that about you or me, that's a good thing, right? Um, and, and what's interesting for Hezekiah, and this is maybe a spoiler alert for the Christian life, you can be very good, you can be steadfast to the Lord, but that doesn't mean you'll be problem-free. It doesn't mean you'll be storm-free. In fact, sometimes I think he sees a good person. He says, I'm going to give him a storm because I know what's going to happen. I know how he's going to give me glory through it. And that was Hezekiah. Now, he wasn't facing a tornado, but he was facing the nation of Assyria led by King Sennacherib. And if you know anything about history, the Assyrians were particularly nasty. They loved to torture people. Whenever they conquered people, they'd line up their skulls as a pyramid in front of the town to show what they'd done. And they were going to take siege to Jerusalem. As they were approaching, they even trash-talked about all the things that were going to happen during that siege, things that I don't feel comfortable uh, telling you what they were saying against Israel uh, here. Uh, th that's what they were doing. Well, not only were they trash-talking about Hezekiah and that nation, but they also were foolish enough to trash-talk against God. And so Hezekiah, in the midst of this storm, a nation and a siege that was coming, cried out to the Lord. This was his prayer. He said, Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, King Sennacherib, so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. How many here think that God delivered King Hezekiah? This is maybe an unknown miracle or something that I don't remember always hearing growing up, but that night, God sent one angel and one angel eliminated 185,000 Assyrians. One angel of God, 185,000. They woke up the next day and the battle was done. They were delivered and the Assyrians left. I was just blown away by this figure. To, to consider what 185,000 is, it's like if Soldier Field, uh, Chicago Speedway, and the Sal were all filled to capacity. And that's what one angel did to protect his people and to deliver King Hezekiah. Now, I know if you're new to church today, and welcome, by the way, you might have some questions, and, uh, and this is something that we've grown into, but we believe that the, the, the God who authored life, uh, he also has the, the right to take it. Um, so if you're questioning, wow, that seems like a lot of devastation, that's, that's his authority. But more than that, I hope you see he delivered his people. He had power. Now, as we get into our psalm, some say that this psalm was written in the context of that great defeat, of that great deliverance. Um, th that is a guess, but regardless, this psalm is definitely fitting of what happened that day. Let's get into it from uh, the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 46. We'll read the whole thing here, okay? It says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. 
Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Your friends, you might have heard this phrase before, seen it on someone's wall at a home, be still and know that I am God. May God so work that stillness in us as we consider these words so we bear fruit this, bear forth this fruit of the Spirit, which is peace. You know, another movie that I uh, enjoyed and watched is a movie called This, The Impossible. Anyone seen this one? A couple years old, and uh, it's kind of heart-wrenching. It, it follows the tsunami in 2006. That tsunami, that great one uh, that, that took the lives of 230,000 people. And more than the, the storm and the tsunami, though, was this story of, of, of finding their family. See, this family was on vacation during that time. And so they were separated by the storm. And, and so the, the father and the mother, they're all working to find one another in the midst of the aftermath of this storm. Spoiler alert, if you do watch it, is, is this great uh, situation where they're reunited. The son calls out and then the other sons find him. And then the father comes rushing out and they, they all hear each other's voices and are reunited. It's, it's dramatic, it's heart-wrenching, but it's a good story. The comfort we have today from God's word is his ability to find us and reunite us. Let's look back at verse 1. Verse 1 says this. It says, God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Now, literally from the Hebrew, it said that he can be a helper in trouble and he can find us. And so one thing we know about God is that there is no pit so deep, there is no storm so severe, there is no circumstance so tough that God can't find you and bring you out of it. In fact, sometimes that's why I think the church is here because there is a search party going on and you're not here by accident, but the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, has been searching for you and he wants to show you what he can do in your life to carry you out of whatever storm you're in. I love the parable that Jesus told. Jesus told the parable of a shepherd who would leave 99 sheep to find one who is lost, to find one who is in trouble and carry that sheep back on his shoulders. That's our God. There's no trouble we can be in where he cannot find us. The psalm goes on. It talks about dominance. I was thinking of dominance this past week, and did anyone watch FIFA? Anyone hear of Germany and Brazil? Germany just obliterated Brazil 7-1, uh, to one, and now they're in the, the, the finals, right? Just kind of crazy. And they were just scoring score after score. And some have said this is the, the worst defeat in all of sports, one of the most humiliating defeats. They're on home turf, 7-1. to one. A couple tweets about it this past week. Uh, I want to share with you a couple tweets how bad it was. Uh, one guy had this to say. He said, in dog goals, it's 49 to 0. Uh, trying to get the, uh, with, with football, it'd be like 100 points to 0 or just kind of crazy. What about this one? It said, I just took a poll. Which German goal against Brazil are you? I'm number 6. Anyone take those Facebook polls? How much Chicagoan you are? All that kind of going. And then this is for your gamers. Um, is Brazil's controller plugged in? 
check the batteries. That's awesome. And it was no contest. No contest. God turns to us in this psalm and he says, whatever is facing you, it is no contest compared to my display of power. Look now at verse 4. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. I love Most High there. Because there can be things high, there can be things powerful, but it's not higher than the Most High. No matter what faces us, He will always stand above. He will always be greater. He will always be higher. He will always have dominion over every other power known to man. That's our God. But it goes on. Have you ever sent your kids out and you wanted them to stay together because it was dark or because maybe they're going downtown? Uh, Sometimes we say there is safety in in numbers, right? And so it's good to have a group. It's funny how some celebrities have taken this and so they have an entourage. I saw a famous entourage uh, by this man. Um, In the middle is uh, Arnold. Which strikes me funny because if there's a guy who didn't need an entourage, I would think it'd be, you know, the kindergarten cop, right? Uh, He'd probably be okay by himself, right? Um, but, but there he is, rolling with a bunch of other people, you know. He's tough. He's, he's got it. But what also struck me in Psalm 46 and was just so comforting is verse 7. If you go into verse 7, it says, The Lord Almighty, and, and here literally it means the Lord of hosts, if you've heard of that. And if I take hosts to translate it for you, it literally means he's the Lord of the heavenly entourage. That he's rolling with a bunch of angels and they're bad dudes. We saw one angel take 185 and he's got a whole army of them by his side. The Lord of hosts is here in this psalm. And I want you to know that when you roll with Jesus, you roll with the heavenly entourage. That's an awesome promise of God. In the Psalms, it makes it so clear that those angels, again, they are so powerful, are by our side. In Psalm 91, he'll command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And so you are never alone. God has angels by your side to help you. We sing that Chris Tomlin song, Whom shall I fear? The God of angel armies is by my side. And so don't be afraid. Be at peace. Because God can find you, because of his dominion, because of his heavenly entourage. But how many of us still struggle, if we're honest, with peace? I know I do at times. And I would say the real problem here isn't has to do about who God is. I would say the real problem has to do with my focus. And maybe your focus. See, if you're afraid of heights and maybe crossing a bridge or, or maybe climbing up a mountain, if you're afraid of heights, what is good advice? Good advice if you're afraid of heights is not to do what this guy is doing, to look down, right? You got to look ahead if you're crossing that bridge. You got to look up if you're climbing that mountain. If you look down, you're going to be afraid, aren't you? And so what I find is that fear is a matter of focus. If you spend your day focusing on what you're afraid of, of what's going to happen in the future, of that health circumstance, what about the kids, you're going to have reason all day long to be afraid. And you're going to have reason all day long to doubt God and his power in your life. But if you switch your focus, which is what I believe God is calling us to do today, if you turn from that and turn your focus on his power, on his dominion, on his angel army, then peace happens. Peace, too, I believe, is a matter of focus when we keep our eyes on that heavenly God. But I wanted to look at the bigger picture. I love doing that, too. And today, I don't mean to minimize any circumstance you're in today. 
But I would say whatever your circumstance that you walked in and the storm that you would relate to me, I would say is not as big as the biggest storm that we face. See, the biggest storm we face is not about what's happening in nature, not happening with our kids. The biggest storm that we should have faced is what we had to deal with because of sin. God is so clear that because of our sinfulness, whether it be our worry, whether it be our selfishness, whether it be our our pride, whether it be our, our greed, our lust, because of that, a storm was coming. The devil wanted to hold us down for eternity. There was punishment for an eternity that should have been ours because of sin. But Jesus took care of that. Jesus found us in that midst. And Jesus showed his dominion over those powers, over death, the devil, and our sin, all that punishment through the cross. And Jesus climbed out of the tomb. Jesus climbed into heaven. And Jesus says, as you stay by me, you're going to climb into heaven to be by my side and someday witness a heavenly entourage that we do not see right now. And so the biggest thing that he's accomplished is our salvation. The biggest peace you have today is forgiveness. That we don't fear the wrath of God, though it exists over sin, because Jesus paid for it all. And I don't know about you, but I get so wrapped up in the world that I lose sight of that. I get so wrapped up in the here and now of what i got to do or what's going to happen next that I lose sight of that. Where if I just look at the cross and look what's coming, everything else is minimal, isn't it? If I know where I'm going to be for eternity, if I know I have peace with the Heavenly Father, everything else is minimal. And everything else can be faced with the power of God. It's kind of like NBA players. Did you hear about all that's going on? I guess we're not getting Carmelo Anthony. Paul Gasol, there we go. Um, but, but NBA players, if, if they can dunk on this, they sure can dunk on that, right? I'm here to tell you on behalf of Jesus, if Jesus could give his life and rise from the dead and prove once for all we're at peace, can he not bring peace to every situation and deliver you in every situation and work it out? I'm telling you, he can. It's a Fisher-Price hoop, my friends. Bring it over to him. And in that context, then we hear that famous phrase, in that context of our Savior who's accomplished everything for us, he says, verse 10, I love it, he says, so would you... Be still and just know I'm God. Would you be still? There from the Hebrew, it has the idea of releasing the tension, of giving slack, or of literally, and I'm almost past the point of this song, but of literally letting it go, frozen. So here it is. And no, we don't have to sing together. But I think that, again, is what God is saying. What is being still all about? It's about letting go of that tension, of that anxiety. And so as we conclude today, let's talk a little bit about what to let go of. First thing that's so clear, I believe, through Scripture is we've got to let go of our worries. And God has invited us to do this. He said this. He said, don't be anxious about anything. Afraid is part of anxiety, right? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving to God, present your requests to God, and look what comes short on that heels. And the peace of God follows. So what do we let go of? We let go of our worries. Reminds me of an assembly line. Anyone ever worked on an assembly line? I was at a butter factory, and one part of my job was to get the bottom part of the box uh, taped shut. And then I pass it along, and they fill it, and then I pass it along, and then someone seals it. And that's part of assembly line work. And, uh, and here we go. And, and what God is saying to you today is that, yes, there's going to be things that come to you. 
And that's fine. You're not going to get away from him in a sinful world. But guess what? It was never yours to hang on to. He says, pass it down the road. And as often as they come, pass it down. And as you do, you look to who's got it next, and that's our God. Yes, it's going to come, and it's continually as those thoughts come, those fears come. We pass them down, and we see what God does. If we would hold it, that's going to hold up the assembly line, isn't it? That's not how it works. If you hold on to your worries and hold on to your fears, you're breaking the chain, my friends. The chain available to you to see what God's going to do in the end. We let it go. We pass it on. Pass it on. What else we got to let go of? Are any fears of what God might do or of guilt or shame? That's why I love being a pastor, because of the real peace there is. Of the forgiveness we have. Consider what it says in Romans. Look at these words based on the cross of Jesus. It says, so we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Kind of reminds me of amusement parks. In amusement parks, I want to be at many places at one time, but I can't. I can only be at one place at one time. And so some places, have you ever been in a cool zone? Like it's hot out in the summer sun, they have fans and they have a mist, and, and so it's awesome standing in the midst of that cool zone where they're blowing mist on you and the fans. It's great, it's great. And, and unless I've learned to clone myself, I cannot be in the cool zone and out in the sun at the same time. It just doesn't work. I can only be in the cool zone at one time, right? Well, God's saying, if you have faith in me, guess what? You're only in the cool zone. You're not doing the hokey pokey in and out with my relationship with you. If you have faith in me, you only stand in grace. You only stand with peace. You only stand as a redeemed child of God. And if that's how God sees you standing in the cool zone, in the peace zone, who are we to see ourselves any differently? Who are we to be held back by guilt or shame or any fear of what God might do? We stand here today in grace, in the knowledge of Jesus and all that he's done. How awesome is that to consider? So as we consider our God, as we consider what to let go of, may you be at peace. Let me pray for you this morning as we end today. Let's pray together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I want the peace only you can bring. So help me to keep my focus on your ability to find me, on your dominion and your heavenly entourage. Help me to see my biggest fear has already been conquered through the cross of Jesus. And now let me be at peace as I pass my worries on to you regularly, and as I stand in grace. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.